All right, if you could go ahead and turn with me into your Bibles to Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. This is a famous passage that we all know and we all say all the time. And I want to give you a little insight about the book of Revelations. When we think about the book of Revelations, sometimes it is uh, a book that is very confusing. It's the book of end times. It's the book that we kind of just put to the side because we say that is too complicated. We'll leave that to the pastor to teach us what that means. But I want to give you a good insight about the book of Revelations, and it's this. Jesus wins in the end. And we're along for the ride. We win in the end. And this is one of the most powerful passages in the book of Revelations that gives us the foreknowledge of what Jesus does. And this is about the Christians, and they're talking about how to overcome the enemy. And it says this, Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. It's powerful. I'll read it again. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So when we stand in the word of God, And in our own testimony, we are able to accomplish our faith in life. We're able to overcome the enemy everywhere we go. In every circumstance, every problem that comes our way, we are able to see victory through this very scripture, through the blood of the Lamb, through the word of our testimony. Amen? And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Have you ever wondered why blood... Like, why did it take blood to redeem mankind? Like, why couldn't God, anybody from Texas? Great. Oh, we got one. Oh, we got a few. Well, why couldn't we just tell God, God, you just take Texas away. Let that be the offering to redeem all of mankind back to God. That would have been a good idea, right? Any OU fans? All right. Boomer? Boomer sooner? Or why, why couldn't we just give God money? Like, God, here's a couple billion dollars we're going to give to you, and that's going to redeem us from sin. But some reason, we don't see it that way. We see that it's blood. It's blood that God listens to. When I was in Bible school, one of the things that we learned, it was a policy. It was called the law of first mention. So anytime that you were to hear a word, Uh, In the Bible, if you wanted to know where it came from, you have to go back to the first time that it was ever spoken about. So if you want to know about tithe, you go back to uh, Abraham learning about tithe. If you want to learn about blood, you actually go all the way back to Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel. (coughs) We all know the story with Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, they were both, one was tending the fruit of the ground, the other one was tending the flock of the field. And one of them, God had favor upon, but he didn't have favor upon the other, which was Cain. And we see that there began to be this envy, this jealousy that Cain begins to get. And he ends up asking his brother, hey, let's go ahead and go out to the field. And out in the field, we see that Cain ends up killing his own brother because of this envy and jealousy. And out of this, 
we see for the first time blood begins to speak. And it says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Abel's, when Abel's blood cried out, it says, And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Blood began to speak. Blood of a good and faithful man began to speak. And we see that the response of this blood is a curse is put upon Cain. Out of this blood. So because of this moment, we see all throughout the Old Testament that God begins to instruct that there has to be a sacrifice of an animal, the blood of an animal, to redeem man back to God. So we see a constant sacrifice that had to be made because man could not be good enough. They kept on sinning. They kept on, we were very bad back in the day. We could not do good before the Lord. Until I believe that God finally stepped back in. And he said, okay, this is enough. There's no sacrifice that is good enough. And I'm going to send my own son to become the ultimate sacrifice. He's going to be the spotless lamb. He's going to be the perfect one that is going to redeem all of mankind till eternity. One time, and it's going to be enough to wipe away all the sins of the world. Now, have you ever... Uh, wondered, like, how, how could the blood of just one man wipe away all the sins of the world? Like, that's a lot of sin for one man with all of his blood. I don't know how much blood you have in your body, but all that blood was enough to wipe away all the sins of the world. And I'll tell you this, I think this is a good illustration. If I was to have soap, if this was soap, and I was to put it right here, and if I was to just simply look at the soap, does it make me clean? No, not at all. I could even walk around this soap, and even walking around the soap, does it make me clean? No, I could even try to wave at it and try to get some kind of aroma to get on me. Would it make me clean? No. I could even walk into a soap factory and not one time touch soap, and it still won't make me clean. But it is until I take the soap and I begin to apply it to myself that I began to become clean. And it is the same way with the blood of Jesus, that it washed away the sins of the whole world, but it is not until you begin to apply it to your own life that you begin to see the redemption of your sin. Amen? The blood of Jesus. So we see with Jesus, Pilate instructs the soldier. You know, Jesus is standing. He's standing at the whipping post. Pilate instructs the soldier to begin to strike Jesus with a whip. This whip, we all know, it had uh, sharp rocks. It had sharp glass. And so that when the very first strike, when it would hit Jesus, that it would pull out flesh. And Jesus standing at the whipping post. First strike goes into his flesh, pulls out, and we see for the first time that blood began to speak. It dropped and began to speak. Now, we said that when uh, Abel's blood spoke, that it put a curse upon Cain. But when Jesus' blood spoke, he took the curse. 
He took the curse from all of us. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, he took the curse. There is power in the blood. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. The second part in the word of their testimony. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I'll say that one more time. I know everybody knows that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. See, testimonies produce faith. The reason that you are here today is because you heard about the testimony of Jesus. Even you yourself, you carry a testimony of salvation. When you heard about the testimony of Jesus, you gave your life to him, and now you are carrying a testimony. We all have testimonies, and it came through hearing the word of God. Amen? And when he saved you, it wasn't just a ticket to heaven. Heaven is good. It's a part of it. It's part of the package, but it's not the whole package. Because your, uh, what you get right now is far better and far greater than just a ticket to heaven. We all get to go to heaven because of our salvation. But there is so much more in salvation. You begin to see victory in your life, victory in your family, victory in your finances, in your job. You get to see and experience God right now. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven. But even Jesus instructs for us to pray that heaven comes to the earth. That we begin to see the display right now of heaven here. Amen? Yes. Amen. You know, in Jesus, one of, when he was all throughout the four gospels, one of the most verifiable ways when he would share the testimony, share the gospel, it was through demonstration. He would always do this through miracles. We find it all throughout the gospels. Miracles always took place when he would preach and proclaim the gospel. And I want to dive into one of those stories in Matthew chapter 17. If you could turn your Bibles there. <coughs> Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. says, And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him, and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures. He suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. Now turn to your neighbor right now and say, nothing is impossible for you. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, do you actually believe it? You know, a lot of times when we read scripture, 
it's very difficult for us to begin to uh, take the scripture and apply it to our lives and begin to believe upon that actual word. Nothing will be impossible for you. Have you ever meditated upon impossible? There's a lot of things we could think about that are very impossible. And this is the word that Jesus gives to us and says, nothing will be impossible for you. A lot of times we take words in the Bible or take these scriptures and we believe it just halfway. And here's what I mean. I have a few examples that I've written down. If I can find it. He can get me a good job, but he could never heal my family. He will heal me of my flu. It's just going to take two weeks. He can bring my grumpy neighbor to salvation, but there is no way God could raise the dead. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's just going to take 10 years before God allows me to have my own property. These are some of the things that we began to place in our own lives. It's not that Jesus put the, you know, the restrictions. It's like we place the own restrictions on our own lives. But Jesus is saying nothing will be impossible for you. There was a scientist that I was watching on YouTube. It's, YouTube's like one of the greatest places to watch scientists and see what they do. And uh, there was a scientist who received uh, an inverted bicycle. And what I mean by that is when he would get on this bike, when he would turn to the left, the tire would go to the right. And when he would turn to the right, the tire would go to the left. And when he received this bicycle, he looked at it and said, I can ride that. That's possible. He gets on the bike and immediately fails, tries to ride this bicycle and cannot figure this thing out. In fact, he ends up spending an entire hour trying to pedal and ride this bicycle, but every like five feet that he would drive, he would just fall over. Could not figure out how to ride this inverted bicycle. And he even said, this seems impossible. But he, he took the challenge. He said, you know what? I'm going to devote myself five minutes a day, <clears throat> five minutes a day to ride this bicycle, and we'll see if I can finally accomplish it. Well, he spent about six months trying to figure out how to ride this bicycle. Five minutes a day would get on, try to ride it. And finally, he said it was very simple. Something happened in his brain, literally, where it just clicked. Where finally he figured out that it was literally a renewing of the mind for him to accomplish riding this inverted bicycle. Now, what's crazy is, after he finally figured it out, he's riding around, he decided, you know what, I wonder if I could go back to the way I was, the way that I know how to ride a normal bicycle. When he got on, he actually could not ride a normal bicycle. His brain had already switched over to learning how to ride an inverted. It took him like 15 minutes to ride a normal bicycle again. And I would say that what we see here, he ends up saying this, knowledge is different than understanding. Knowledge is, he's, he looked at the bike, he's, he knew he could ride it, but understanding and getting on and applying it to his life was something totally different. In the same way, we know the word of God. 
But when we apply it, it's a whole different story. Knowledge is different than understanding. Head knowledge is different than a heart knowledge. We have to apply the word of God. Amen? Scripture says in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I mean, even if it's Scripture saying that this is how you begin to change to believing that nothing is impossible for your life, it starts here with Romans 12, 2. When I began to... Uh, I, would all, I was raised up hearing about miracles all the time. Heard about miracles, but I never saw a miracle, even in my own life. Never saw miracles. And I was devoted at 18 years old. I, I said, you know what? I haven't seen them, but I believe them. I guess I have to go start praying with people. I have to actually apply what I believe. And I said, you know what? Where's the greatest place that I could go where all the sick people are? It's the hospital. So I actually went to the OU Medical Center at 18 years old, went to the emergency waiting room, walked in, believing in the power of God, believing in miracles, going up to the very first person and saying, hey, I believe that Jesus can heal you right now. I don't know what your problem is, but Jesus can touch you right now. Can I pray for you? And they say, no, thank you. Okay, go to the next person. I believe Jesus can heal you. Can I pray for you right now? No, thank you. Go to the next person. Literally getting rejected by every person in the emergency waiting room. No one wants me to pray for them. And walking out not seeing one miracle. But some reason, I still believe the word of God. I still wanted to apply this. So you know what I did? Two weeks later, I went back to the same place where I got rejected by like 30 people. Walk in, go to the very first person. Hey, I believe. And I was with uh, some friends. We were all like these fireballs. We just wanted to see God move. But we had never seen miracles. And I, I, again, I went to the first person. I believe Jesus can heal you. Can I pray for you? No, thank you. And again, the same pattern happened. Getting rejected by every person in the room until I came to the final person who had a very evident uh, problem, which was a broken arm. Had a cast on his arm. He was in a lot of pain. That's why he was in the emergency waiting room. And I remember... Asking him the very same question. Hey, can I pray for you? I believe Jesus can heal you. And he said, uh, yes, please. Please pray for me. The first time we get the open door. And I, I simply laid hands on him. We prayed over him. <clears throat> and then we stepped back and we said on a scale 1 to 10, what's the pain level? And he says, it's a zero. Now, I had a, I had a brother with me that was a little loud. And my friend was so excited to see this miracle that he steps back and looks at every person in the emergency waiting room and he says, this man was just healed by Jesus. If you need a healing in your body, I want to pray for you right now. Who needs a healing in your body? And all of a sudden, we saw because of this man's testimony, people who rejected us started raising their hands up and we started going back to the people praying for them and seeing miracles happening there. We walked out seeing so many. I can't even remember half of them that took place. It was amazing. Never give up. Stand on the word of God. Believe the testimony. And he overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. 
If I could, could I have everybody go ahead and stand up? If we could get somebody playing the instruments. I was just at a house two days ago uh, getting to minister, and then even in the house, as I was sharing just the goodness of God, we ended up praying for a few people that needed healing, and we started seeing drastic changes happening in their bodies just two days ago. I want to tell you Jesus is alive, and I believe that there are miracles that, are, that Jesus is wanting to do even today. And in fact, I was praying earlier, and my team, were, we were praying, and I have a few words of knowledge that I would like to call out that I believe are in the room that God wants to heal you of. Uh, one of them is a, is a hip problem. I believe it's the right side. You're having some kind of hip problem. It's trouble when you walk. If that is you, I want you to raise your hand. Yes, sir. Is there anybody else? All right. The second one is a knee problem. You have something wrong with your knee. You have trouble walking. If that's you, raise your hand. Two people. Praise God. The final one was simply a lower back issue. You're probably having trouble getting out of bed at, uh, right early in the morning. Maybe even as you're walking over time, pain begins to stir up in your back. That's you. Raise your hand. You got one, two, three, four. Praise God. Not that you have pain, but that God's going to heal you. Praise God. If we could start some of the worship. Um, before we even dive into miracles, I want to introduce some of y'all, maybe even for the first time, to the miracle maker, and that is Jesus. This entire time that I've been sharing, maybe even this understanding of the blood of Jesus is now making sense to you. And you want to give your life to Jesus. That you're saying, you know what? What this man's talking about, it's stirring in my heart, and I want to give my life to Jesus. And if everybody could, just go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to ask a bold question. If you want to give your life to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand right now. You want to give it completely to him. Hallelujah. 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 